Hi, and welcome to our Keys to the Text, and this is week 50, 50. And we will be looking at uh, chapter 30, uh, section 5, through chapter 31, section 2. So uh, before we get started, let's, let's join with the Holy Spirit so we may receive his wisdom as we're looking at these words on the page so that we may bring it to life within our own daily walk. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. And so like I said, we are, we're coming to the end here of our study of the text, and we are in chapter 30, section 5. Section 5 is the only purpose. And we'll be going through sec the last chapter, wow, uh, in section 2 as we do this today. So in the only purpose, now before I begin, just remember that we've gone through, if you've been following me all along, this is our 50th session together, uh, just remember that it's important for you to read and to practice, to study, to journal, to really apply it in your life. That's what's so important. I'm just going to highlight some things and if you've been with me the whole time, then you know, and you've probably seen, that it gets really repetitive. It's the same things. And if you just do what Jesus says in the Course, what he teaches us to do, we can live a better life. We can be more peaceful. We can judge less. We can forgive. And it's really that simple. And that's what we come down to as we've been studying, is that it becomes very simple for us. And it doesn't have to be a hard course. So let me pull out some highlights from this reading. So the, section five, the only purpose. The real wor world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Well, that's it. That is our most important piece here, is that we forgive here in this world. Fear is not its goal, for the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols. So instead of that substitute for God, whatever form that may be, well, now we're going to use forgiveness, which is the end of illusions. It's the illusion that ends all illusions through our forgiveness. And so he says at the end of this paragraph, okay, so there's a wish to understand all things created as they really are. And, well, it's not this body, right? It's not this world. And it is recognized that all things must be first forgiven and then understood. So we think from the ego's point of view that to understand is to attack. Well, that's far from the truth. But when we forgive, then this world becomes a place of hope. And it can be hope of happiness as well that we can have here in the world. Not heaven's happiness, but a happiness of knowing that we are walking the path along with God, right? With Jesus, so that we can continue to remember God. Now, he talks about the steps that we make, and then he says what the final step is. Well, the final step is God's because it is but God who could create a perfect son and share his 
fatherhood with him. No one outside of heaven knows how this can be for understanding this is heaven itself. Even the real world has a purpose still beneath creation and eternity. Fear is gone because its purpose is forgiveness, not idolatry, right? And we don't want to put anything as a substitute for God before us. No person, no place, no thing. We want to have God in the forefront, always. So then he gets into the real world, uh, what that is, the purpose gently brought into awareness to replace the goal of sin and guilt. So this is as we're moving through this, uh, this process that we have as we forgive more. We're moving into the real world until we come to that point where we recognize that we're in heaven only in that way. And then, of course, he talks about the face of Christ. He talks about holding the hands of Christ. Hands, and of course, we know what this is by now. We've been all the way through the course, right? It's the love of Christ accepted for us. What is the Christ? All of us as one in that. And so he says in paragraph eight, well, how light and easy is the steps, right? Across the narrow boundaries of the world of fear. It's like, it becomes easier and easier as we go forth. It goes easier and easier along. And that's what we want. And he's blessing us and he's giving his gratitude because now we're remembering what it is that we truly are and what we truly want. Paragraph nine, he says, give up the world but not to sacrifice. You never wanted it. You don't want this world. You don't want this pain. What happiness have you sought here that did not bring you pain? Right? We cannot find that in the world. How many times have we learned this in this course? So then he says, paragraph 10, do not look back except in honesty. And when an idol tempts you, think of this. And then there's this italicized piece here. There never was a time an idol brought you anything except the gift of guilt. Not one was brought except a cost of pain, nor was it ever paid by you alone. So, no idol. Remember, that's also teachers, right? Don't make an idol of any teacher. Don't make an idol of anyone, of any relationship, of any organization, of anything, of ideology. No idols. Be merciful to your brother and look forward then in confidence, walk with a happy heart that beats in hope and does not pound in fear. I love that, that line there at the end. So let's look at our next section. <clears throat> so our next section is section six, the justification for forgiveness. Well, <laughs> do we really need more than that sentence? The justification for forgiveness. And what is it? What is it? He says that anger is never justified. You probably have heard that before. Attack is no foundation. It's here where we begin to escape from fear. And that's what we want. We want the escape from fear. We don't want the dreams of terror. We want to use forgiveness, right? So he's, he says that you're not asked to offer pardon where attack is due and would be justified for that would mean that you forgive a sin 
by overlooking what is really there. This is not pardoned. So when you're doing that, you're saying, hey, what happened was real. It did occur. But we know with forgiveness that it means that it didn't occur, right? That it didn't occur. And so he says that pardon is always justified, right? Pardon is always justified and has a sure foundation. And that's what we do, right? Forgiveness is the only sane response. Forgiveness is the only sane response, and that's what we want. How simpler can this be put? So, yeah, we're reading between the lines. We're reading lines. We're pulling out what is the outline. If you've ever done any outlining of articles, I took a class once, and that's exactly what it was. And I had this huge, long technical article, and I had to go through and pull out what were the main points and to create an outline. And when you do that, you can see what the article is really about, because otherwise you're just fleshing it out. You're <laughs> making it longer. <laughs> it really is what it was, because when you can find that, and I'm a bottom line kind of person. So when you can find that, so you might even do that, is, is, is find those pieces in each paragraph. What's the main line in each paragraph here? And what is it trying to say to me? You know, forgiveness heals, right? We've heard that many times. Paragraph five, forgiveness recognizes merited will heal. It gives the miracle its strength to overlook illusions. This is how you learn that you must be forgiven Two, there can be no appearance that cannot be overlooked, right? And so forth. Well, this is interesting in six. There is no sure proof. Idolatry is what you wish than a belief there are some forms of sickness and of joylessness. Forgiveness kind of cannot heal. This means that you prefer to keep some idols, and you are not prepared as yet to let all idols go. Now, you don't have to feel guilty about that. You know, if you're joyless and there's some forms of sickness, you don't have to feel guilty about that. It is what it is. And I accept it. I ask the Holy Spirit to look upon it with me. And it makes all the difference in the world in that way because I'm not judging it. You know, this is our classroom and we don't want to judge. We want to ask the judge who will help us and declare it all as innocent, right? And that's what we want. Seven, it says, it must be true the miracle can heal all forms of sickness or it cannot heal. Its purpose cannot be to judge which forms are real, which appearances are true. If one appearance must remain apart from healing, one illusion must be the part of truth. And you could not escape all guilt, but only some of it. You must forgive God's son entirely. And who's God's son? Well, we know who God's son is. It's all of us, all of us as one, including ourselves, including ourselves, because sometimes we'll forgive other people, but we won't forgive ourselves. And that's what we need to do is just forgive everything. You will, if you keep an image of yourself that is not whole, you will remain afraid to look within and find escape from every idol there. And our salvation comes from accepting 
what it really is, right? What that is. And so all it takes is that willingness to open up our heart, to open up our mind, to allow the healing to help us to be whole, to bring us as one. You know, we say these words over and over and over again, and it doesn't need to be more than that because we think we were separate and now we experience the wholeness instead of the separate parts that we have kept outside of us, whoever, whatever that may be. We have to incorporate everything, right? And so he says, God's son is perfect and he cannot be God's, or he cannot be God's son. Nor will you know him if you think he does not merit the escape from guilt and all its consequences and it's all, all its forms. And so there's no way to think about your brother other than this. And here's a little prayer he puts in here. I thank you, Father, for your perfect son. And in his glory will I see my own. And that's what it is. We look at our brother. He is our mirror. He is the reflection. And what do we want that reflection to be? A reflection of hatred or a reflection of simple love? of the truth, of the light, of the peace that we truly are. But when we are focused on the hatred and what's going on, right? The blackness of their soul, supposedly, that we see. Well, what we're seeing is what is there within us that we don't wish to let go of. Otherwise, we could come and say, we don't have to agree with this person. We don't have to um, be friends with them, work with them. But we can appreciate what God created and know that spark of light is illuminated, if only for a little bit, just flickering, just flickering just a little bit. The light is still there and it doesn't go anywhere. So look on your brother with hope, he says. And you will understand he could not make an error, error that could change the truth. So now we go on to uh, section seven, the new interpretation. So <laughs> he starts off and says, would God have left the meaning of the world to your interpretation? If he had, it has no meaning. Right, for it cannot be that meaning changes constantly and yet is true. And hey, that's what we do, right? We we give meaning to things all the time. I mean, you look, look at words, just the different words over the years, and how that those meanings have changed to what they are now. What, what words come to mind for you in that that have changed their meaning and? What about fads and clothing and, and that sort of things as the decades and the centuries have gone on? Everything changes and we give it meaning and we have different viewpoints on, you know, before we used to think the world was flat, right? Now we know that the world is round. Yeah, it's still an illusion, but if we left the me if he left the meaning up to us, well then, hey, we would be in trouble here, right? So the Holy Spirit looks upon the world as with one purpose, 
changelessly established and no situation can affect its aim. So what do you think that is? What do you think is that the one purpose is, right? How about to forgive? How about to remember God? Very simply, right? It's not, it's not so hard and we don't have to dive in and analyze the whole thing. You can read it for yourself. You can grasp what you need to grasp right now. And that's okay, whatever it may be. Be gentle with yourself in studying this course. And actually, the less effort you put into it, in the sense that you're not trying to analyze it and uh, interpret it and uh, you got to know all the answers, you know, that's putting us somewhere else. That's keeping it in this intellectual level instead of in the feeling level, in the being level. And that's where you want to be with it, right? So basically, well, the Holy Spirit gives us another meaning if we ask him to look at it with us in this classroom of the world, right? Well, Holy Spirit, how do you see this? You know, or should this be, should this be judged as harsh? Should this be judged negatively? Or should this person be seen with love, right? Seen from a different angle instead. And he talks about our scripts in paragraph two, and he says, well, what do your uh, scripts reflect except your plans for what the day should be? Well, we've heard this before, right? How we think things should be. We have an opinion. We have an outcome in mind, right? And then we judge the outcome. Was it disaster, success, advance, retreat, gain, loss? What was it? And we judge it and whatever happens. So I got this uh, letter. Let me tell you the story. I got this letter about a business. Well, I didn't know what it was. Uh, it was saying I owed 700 and some dollars. And it was a business I had for a short time. And I closed the business. And, you know, I could look at that letter and go, oh, my, 700 almost $800 that I owe. How can I owe this? And I'm looking up the number online on the state website and it doesn't show me what it is. And I'm like, is this a joke? What is it? Is this, is this a scam? I don't know what it is. I don't have to know what it is right away because if I'm in the feeling level and I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, where am I going to get $800, $7,800 to pay? If I start worrying about, well, what is this? And I start panicking. Well, it's going to keep me opened up to fear, okay? So instead, I saw the letter. I started to feel something. I stopped, and I joined with the Holy Spirit, and I said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what this is. Help me to see this for what it is. Well, first of all, it's a piece of paper with printing on it, right? That's the bottom line. I'm interpreting what the words say on it. And so then today, you know, I... I I talked to them on the phone and it turned out, well, I made no money in the business. So I do not owe the money. And I didn't even have to fill out a physical form. 
you know, it was an oversight on my part from a year ago. And all I had to do was call a number and do a phone form and punch in some numbers and punch in the, the zero, right? And the woman I talked to was so kind, so lovely. And who would think at a tax office, right? We have this, uh, we have this judgment about people who, who work at the tax office that it's going to be an issue and, and they're, all they're after is my money. And so the scarcity thoughts come up and those sorts of things come up for us. But then we find out, oh, it's so easy. And so the whole time I was speaking with her, I was uh, very kind. I was very uh, loving with her. And she was compassionate. And all we had to do, that was it. It, it was like a whole maybe 10-minute phone call. And it took me, what, three minutes to do the phone form. And it was done. And it was over. And I don't owe the money is what she had said. You know, I'll just go do this form and everything will be fine. Well, see, that's the thing. We want to make those judgments and interpretations and like everything's going to hell in a handbasket, but no, it's not. You know, and he says here that fear is a judgment never justified. I don't have to be in panic. I don't have to fear at all because my common purpose here is to, uh, know forgiveness and to know what the truth is that I cannot be harmed in any way. And if I would have owed that money, I still would not have been harmed. The money would have been there somehow, some way to pay the bill and it would have been taken care of. Not magically, but all the means would be there if I can remain calm. And that's the important thing. It, that's how we escape from the fear and the judgment and everything else is by uh, taking a deep breath, having the Holy Spirit look at it with us, and remaining calm, re keeping our composure as we go through. And that's what's important. It's like, and he says at the end here in this pair, uh, of this section, do not interpret out of solitude, for what you see means nothing. Like this piece of paper meant nothing. Here in the world, we think it means a lot. You know, someone's out to get our money. Someone's out to get us, right? The government <laughs> or what have you. But no, it means nothing. I do what I need to do here in the world, and I do so peacefully. And we have one interpreter, he says, capital I. And you know who that is? That's that divine spirit that lies as part of you, in your mind, with you, working with you if you allow him to do so, right? So our next section is section eight, changeless reality. Appearances deceive but can be changed. Reality is changeless. It does not deceive at all. And if you fail to see beyond appearances, you are deceived. Wow. The miracle is means to demonstrate that all appearances can change because they are appearances and cannot have the changelessness reality entails, right? So things change. Just like that letter I was just speaking of, well, I could have taken it a different way. I could have been in total fear about it. And I could have yelled at the person on the phone. I could have caused a ruckus, right? And what would that have got me? But more fear, more judgment, 
I don't know. You don't know. But why live in the fear? Why keep focusing on what you think is being said or what you think the issue is? You don't know. Everything is perfectly unfolding the way it needs to unfold. So we want to see beyond the appearances to what is true. And he says, what is temptation but a wish to make illusions real? We want to make these things real to us. What you ask is given you, but not of God, who knows no limits. You have limited yourself. Here in this world, we limit ourselves. We don't even realize how much we have limited ourselves. Reality is changeless, and what is real is God, is heaven, is the Christ, the truth. There is no miracle you cannot have when you desire healing, but there is no miracle that can be given, given you unless you want it. Choose what you would heal, and he who gives all miracles has not been given freedom to bestow his gifts upon God's Son. And we want our mind to be healed. We want to recognize and relive the life, the true life, right? that we have, the life we have in heaven, in that. So don't focus on the false appearances. Focus on what is true, what lies beyond those appearances, right? There's no reason to panic. There's no reason to be extremely fearful. And you can practice doing that. Now, in the past, a letter like I received, oh yeah, I would have been fearful. I would have panicked about it. I would have been thinking up all kinds of ways, well, how am I going to come up with this money to pay it? And here it turned out, I didn't have to send a check. I didn't have to do anything. All I had to do was be calm. Because when we're calm, we can come from that place. Oh, taking a deep breath, we can come from a place of serenity. We can ask the questions that we need to ask to say we don't understand what it means. Can you help me, whoever it is that we're speaking to? And then we find out, oh, you just have to do, an, do a phone form and hit zero as the amount. Oh, okay, thank you. And I'll close out your account. That's what she said. It's like, okay. And see, there was no reason to panic about it. And that's the thing. We go around in our lives panicking about everything that happens to us. Every little thing. Facebook is terrible for that, <laughs> right? You know, I've, I've seen people go on and um, everything's a drama. Everything's an absolute drama in their lives. Uh, from the time they get up in the morning to the time they go to bed. And life does not have to be a drama at all. And so as we're moving into chapter 31, our final chapter of the course, simplicity, the chapter's called The Final Vision, and the first section is the simplicity of salvation. He says, how simple is salvation? All it says is what was never true is not true now and never will be. Amen. Hallelujah. Close the book. <laughs> right? 
what is false cannot be true and what is true cannot be false. You've been told exactly how to tell one from the other and just what to do if you become confused. Now, you've been studying all along. I hope you've been reading. I hope you've been taking notes. I, have, I hope you've been journaling. I hope indeed that you've been practicing what he's been saying. So when you come to this piece in chapter 31, well now, okay, why do you persist in learning not such simple things? And then you jump down to three and he says, the lessons you have taught yourself have been so overlearned and fixed. They rise like heavy curtains to obscure the simple and the obvious. That's those habits that we do over and over and over again. We get a letter, we panic, right? Drama in our lives, we panic. We've got the same routine down. Just like synchronized swimming or a magician you got the routine down path on how you respond to what happens in your life are you ready to let that go what has it got you you know do you really need to post it on facebook i don't post everything that comes up for me i didn't post about this letter on facebook it's like okay you can deal with it and you can deal with it mindfully and meditatively, and you can be with the Holy Spirit, then maybe you can share that. Maybe you can share the outcome that you had because of doing as such, instead of freaking out about everything in your life. Don't freak out. Take a deep breath. Don't start typing away with your thumbs (laughs) and your fingers and your computer and your thing. Stop. Stop. The simplicity of salvation is yours. You have the power to learn. You can learn this and you can practice it. Don't tell yourself you can't. The lessons to be learned are only two. Each has its outcome in a different world and each world follows surely from its source. The certain outcome of the lesson that God's son is guilty is the world you see. It's a world of terror and despair, nor is there hope of happiness in it. There is no plan for safety you can make that ever will succeed. Yeah, you can find little flickers of happiness, but no, not true happiness, not the happiness with God, right? It's a world of terror and despair. I think I just read that. There's, Yeah, I read that. There is no joy that you can seek for here and hope to find. It is the not, it, yet this is not the only outcome which your learning can produce. However, much you may have overlearned your chosen task. The lesson that reflects the love of God is stronger still. That desire is a raging fire within you, and it wants to, it wants to know God. I want you to leap into heaven with that. You will learn God's Son is innocent, and you will see another world. Hey, that's something to be excited about. The outcome of this lesson is that the Son of God, you, are guiltless. That there is no fear, right? That there is hope. There's gentle friendliness, he says in this section. And he says the soft, eternal calling of each part of God's creation to the whole is heard throughout the world. It's calling you. It's calling you. That's that's that flicker that's going on within you that that spark of light it's calling you home and you want to answer that call 
he says, listen to the deeper call beyond it that appeals for peace and joy, and all the world will give you joy and peace. For as you hear, you answer, and behold, your answer is the proof of what you learned. Its outcome is the world you look upon. Am I choosing love? Am I choosing fear? That's what it always comes down to every single time, right? Every single time. So we have one last section. <clears throat> it's pretty good because I'm going to lose my voice in the process. Last section is two, walking with Christ. So we'll end with this last section. So in the paragraph two, he says, let us review again what seems to stand between you and the truth of what you are. For there are steps in its relinquishment. The first is a decision that you make, but afterwards the truth is given you. You would establish truth. And by your wish, you set two choices to be made each time you think you must decide on anything. Neither is true, nor are they different. You must, yet must we see them both before you can look past them to the one alternative that is a different choice but not in the dreams you made, this one be, this might be obscured to you. What you would choose between is not a choice and gives but the illusion it is free for it will have one outcome either way. Thus, it is not a choice at all. So really in the world, there is only love. It seems that we have a choice between fear and love, but there is only love. That's the bottom line, right? That's the bottom line. It's an illusion of choice. We think that there's two options. There's only one. One. And it's not even an option. It, it is what is. It's what's permanent. It's what's eternal. It's what's present. So he says... So now he starts talking about your brother, and if you're feeling separate from your brother, hear the other, you join with him, and in your answer is salvation found. And it's always about relationships in the Course too, right? Because that is what heals the separation, is by seeing your brother as yourself. So the voice you hear in him is but your own. What does he ask you for? And listen well. For he is asking what will come to you because you see an image of yourself and hear your voice requesting what you want. So before you answer, pause to think of this. The answer that I give my brother is what I am asking for. And what I learn of him is what I learn about myself. Now, we have seen this in so many places, you know, in, in the holy relationship and, and specialness, all this. We've been taught this so many times by Jesus is that the holy encounter, all of this, seeing your brother as yourself. And the thing is, this brother neither leads nor follows us, but walks beside us on the self-same road. And so this is what is so very important, is that we are equals. All of us, every single one of us are equals. No one should be held above us, and no one should be held below us. And that includes any teachers. So even though I'm a teacher, I am equal with you. I'm just a little further in my practice. That's it. And you don't have to worship me. Not that I want you to. You know, I don't want any of those accolades. You can say, hey, Deb, I appreciate what you share because it sparks uh, some further thought within myself. That's great. 
but otherwise we're on the self-same road together. We're walking hand in hand or side by side, however you would like to picture it in your own mind. That's what's important. He's like us. And when we can see our brother as ourselves, that, that there is no difference between us. When we focus anyway, any way at all on differences, then we're in the separation. And so as we're coming to a close here, there's this lovely passage in 8, and he says, Be very still an instant. Come without all thought of what you ever learned before and put aside all images you made. The old will fall away before the new without your opposition or intent. There will be no attack upon the things you thought were precious and in need of care. There will be no assault upon your wish to hear a call that never has been made. Nothing will hurt you in this holy place to which you come to listen silently and learn the truth of what you really want. No more than this will you be asked to learn, but as you hear it, you will understand you need but come away without the thoughts you did not want and that were never true. Forgive your brother all appearances. Whoever that is right now for you, forgive that brother. See beyond. See to what's shining beyond that. There's a beautiful beacon of light in your brother. And that's you as well. So give that instant to God. Give that instant to the Holy Spirit. Because as he says here, for next to you is one who holds the light before you. That's the Holy Spirit because it's capitalized. So that every step is made in certainty and sureness of the road. A blindfold can indeed obscure your sight, but cannot make the way itself grow dark. And he who travels with you has the light. And it's capitalized, so it references the Holy Spirit. He who travels with you has the light. And you have the light within you. You turn it on by joining with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to shine the way on the journey, right? as we walk together as mighty companions along the way. So that brings us to um, the end of session 50, uh, 51. We will be finishing out the text. How about that? Section three through, uh, it's eight uh, at the end. And then we are done with the entire text. And I know it's taken me a couple of years to fill in all the gaps uh, from the recordings that were lost, but uh, it's all perfect because what I'm reading now is what I need to learn as well, right? We have to remember that no matter how far along we've been with the course, we can always learn. You want to be open. You want to be that open vessel always to learn and to receive that wisdom. So thank you so much for joining with me, and I wish you peace, and I'll see you in our last session. Namaste. Thank you.